Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Hey, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Gorilla Economist, coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News. We have the one and only Harley Schlanger. It's hanging with Harley. And, folks, if you haven't heard him, you can find him over at LaRoucheInstitute.com, the LaRouche Institute. I'm sorry, the LaRoucheOrganization.com, the LaRoucheOrganization.com, and the SchillerInstitute.com, SchillerInstitute.com. And with that being said, Harley, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. How are you doing? And there is so much going on in the world. I don't know where you want us to start. Well, we had a pretty good week last week. We had a, a very effective intervention against AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, you may have seen it. V. I've seen it. That was your guys? Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, we That was great. Jose Vega and uh, Kynan uh, from our New York office had two weeks earlier gotten Representative Bowman wow. and gotten him to admit that he was supporting the Ukrainian Nazis. And he said, he said, had some lame excuse and, and they pushed him and he kept saying, I'll talk to you about it later. They said, no, we're going to talk about it now. And he said, no, we'll talk about it later. And he sent an aide over to arrange an appointment, which never took place. So they were ready when AOC had her town meeting last Friday, and they just confronted her. They said, you claim you're against war, you're, you claim you're against the military-industrial complex, yet you keep voting for billions of dollars of arms to Ukraine. How do you justify that? Yeah. How can you say you're not a mass murderer? And AOC melted down. She couldn't take the exposure. Right, because she's an absolute think, show. Well, and this has so far gotten over, I think, about 8 million views on Twitter. Uh, and it became a leading item for discussion because it coincided. You know, there's Kynan. These are our LaRouche youth guys. Nice. They, they got some guts. Now, at the same props. time. That's awesome. Well, at the same time, you have the, by the way, you'll notice there weren't very many people at her town meeting. No. So she's basically talking to her staff, I think. That's basically what it is. <laughs> staff and a few hanger on. That's all. It's just mostly staff and city council people. That's all it is. There's nobody from. The now that's now that's Jose Vega, a, a really excellent young organizer. Yeah, that's awesome, so, man. And, and wow. he said, "Look, he said I supported you because I thought you were different. Mm -hmm. Now what do I see? You've, You've done, done nothing." nothing. <laughs> Now, this coincided with Tulsi Gabbard throwing down the gauntlet to the Democrats, which is extremely useful. So we had a one-two punch against the Democratic uh, frauds. That's amazing. Week. Now, then you had the complete meltdown of the British government and the firing of Quartung, blaming him for the mess of the mini-budget when that was 
Liz Truss's policy. And mm-hmm. so you have the recognition that the Bank of England stepped in and overrode the government. Now, the Bank of England solution is not a solution either. Uh, they're basically caught between quantitative easing and quantitative tightening. You know, it's one minute they're putting the, the accelerator down, the next minute they're stomping on the brakes, and it's not going to work. So what's exposed is the absolute failure of the establishment to come up with a policy that'll work. And I think it's important that this youth intervention took place before our conference on Saturday. We had an international youth conference to discuss this question of green fascism. Now, the reason that's so important is that so many young people think it's cool to be green without knowing that the whole thing is a scientific fraud. And so you had the funny event of Greta Thunberg, who who knows next to nothing about anything, finally saying, well, maybe we should keep the nuclear power plants running in Germany. Uh, (laughs) Someone basically told her to reverse herself. Yeah. So so we're seeing all these narratives collapsing. And the, the other narrative that's collapsing is the idea that Zelensky and Ukraine are a democratic country. The the, the Supreme Court of Ukraine ruled a week ago Friday that it was legal for them to shut down opposition political parties. Yeah. That was the Supreme Court of Ukraine. So where's the democracy? Exactly. Where Where is the democracy? They have, you know, they're, they're shutting down opposition party members. They're jailing other people. They're SWAT teaming. They're, it is absolutely egregious what is happening in, in, in and the killing. Ukraine. Yes. And killing people. Absolutely. One of the de- deputy directors of the SBU was joking at a, a meeting and it was caught on a microphone. Someone said, well, what's happening with all these people that you're capturing who were the so-called collaborators? And he said, I don't know. They've gone missing. Ha, ha, ha. So. I mean, they got a, they, they have a, a death site. Yeah. It's incredible. They have a kill list site. E- Elon Musk has just been. Put on there. It's incredible. Yeah, I, I I teased Elon Musk in a Twitter message that he's far below me on the list. <laughs> yeah, now, here's something the, the, to give you a sense of the panic setting in on the establishment. I don't know if you know who Frederick Kemp is. He's the director of the Atlantic Council, which is one of the leading military industrial complex think tanks. Mm-hmm. And he had a a column this week titled Wanted, Global Leadership to Meet the Historic Moment. And he said, well, the U.S. National Security Strategy document covers all the right things. It says we need more military power for the United States, more unity and newer weapons to uh, protect uh, our, our side in strategic competition. But then he says that that all the bets are off in the civilized world, whether or not they can beat back Putin. And then he goes on to say that, and this is, I think, astonishing. He said, one place to start, Western nations can change their laws so that the $300 billion in Russian assets currently frozen in their international financial system could be repurposed to build, rebuild Ukraine. Now, change the laws. What happened to the rules-based order? What happened to 
the commitment to the rule of law. Well, you can just change it. There is no rule of law. The rule is of only course. to the order, and the order is the United States. And the thing about rules, rules can be changed. It's harder to alter laws, right? Well, and, and this is where you see how desperate they are. And you can also see why countries are turning away from them, because countries are saying, why should we be part of the system when you can steal our money and then change the laws to make it legal? Now, the final point that Kemp made in his article on the so-called leadership challenge is who will be the leaders in the years ahead? Will they be Putin, Xi, and their ilk? or the likes of U.S. President Joe Biden and Liz Truss, who are so hamstrung by messy politics. They're not hamstrung by messy politics. They're poor spokesmen for the collapsing world order. And then here's how he finishes, V, and I think you'll probably have some appropriate comment about this. He said, or could the example of Ukraine's Zelensky inspire similar courage in others? I want to watch Joe Biden play the piano with his penis the way Zelensky showed leadership. <laughs> Very well said. That's a real inspiration for the leaders of the future. That is, I mean, I mean the, Westers, the, the Western leaders are so adept at, at such uh, insanity. I, I, it wouldn't be surprising that that would be a requirement, a prerequisite in order to hold a leadership position in the West. The only thing is with Zelensky, you need a small piano. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So, anyway, we're looking at a situation where the West is collapsing. Yeah. There's no question about it. There's now talk that there will be problems with the Turkish uh, pipeline, the Turk Stream pipeline, which is the last major pipeline coming from uh, bringing Russian fuel into Western Europe. Uh, Putin on Friday said, look, we still have one of the Nord Stream 2 lines available. If you don't want to freeze to death, I suggest you open it. Now, yeah. what's the response from Chancellor Schultz of Germany? We who are about to die salute you. That, that is the response. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible because the ideology is more important and valuable than reality. Well, and that's what you saw with this whole situation in uh, the United Kingdom, where uh, Liz Truss dumped her chancellor of the exchequer, Quartung, uh, who's her old partner going back a decade, who co-wrote a book with her about free market policies for England called Britannia Unleashed. The two of them mapped out this strategy, which was called the mini budget, which became a maxi bust. And... The Bank of England stepped in. Now, the Bank of England stepped in to save the banking system. Trust was trying to save her ideology. So ideology came up against the city of London, and guess who won? The city of London. But they don't have a policy. Their policy is to continue the looting of the population of the United Kingdom, the population of Western Europe, and to escalate against the population of the developing sector. The developing sector is walking away. They're, they're refusing to go along with these policies. And they're looking to Putin. They're looking to see, can Russia stand up in the face of this? Can the Chinese stand up in the face of it? Now, the Chinese Communist Party conference opened over the weekend. And one of their leading figures said, look, we don't want to confront the West. 
Why is it that our rise should be a threat to the West? You should be able to stand on your own two feet. And this is, a, I think, a, an extremely important point that's being made. Now, whether it ever gets to Biden or if it got to Biden, if it would go in, in one ear and out the other is, is another question. But there are representatives from about 100 countries viewing present at this party Congress and they're hearing the discussion go on, and they're seeing how China has advanced. And the question that's being posed is, why should China's advance be a threat to the West? And I think that they, they say, we reject the Thucydides syndrome, which says that any- Oh yeah, a rising power has to be at war with a descending power. Yeah, and any emerging power has to be crushed to prevent it from becoming a dominant power. It's insanity, and it's a Western moron who invented that. I mean, these idiots don't realize it's 2022. We're not talking about Athens and Sparta here. Well, even Thucydides' point was that there's no reason for that to happen either. 100%. Yeah. So what he was trying to point out is that this is what's wrong with governments that refuse to take as their starting point the improvements of the population. This is what Nicholas of Cusa called the concept of consent of the governed, which he passed on to the founding fathers of the United States. The whole idea that government's main purpose is to act in the interests of its people and not to worry about the private sector, the private interests of, of corporate cartels. Now, we've lost our constitution to, to a large extent to the onslaught of corporate cartels, which say their interests come first, that if the corporations are happy, the, the country is going to be happy. Well, that's not true. The, if a corporation runs itself into the ground, it should be put through bankruptcy reorganization, not protected. What about the financial corporations with their hedge funds uh, engaging in derivative speculation and credit default swaps to ensure their derivative losses? Uh, why should they be bailed out? Mm -hmm. Well, because they're supposedly too big to fail. What happens when you have private sectors that are too big to fail, but the country becomes a failure? And that's where we are right now. And that's why the our message from the LaRouche organization is LaRouche's four laws uh, should take precedence. The idea of regulated banking, of a national credit system that, that uh, feeds credit to the physical economy, not the speculators. We need new platforms of infrastructure. Instead, what's the West doing? It's destroying infrastructure, blowing up pipelines, blowing up a bridge. Uh, in northern Germany, last week, not this, just last weekend, but uh, the weekend before, all northern German rail traffic was stopped because someone cut two lines of the routes between Germany and the uh, they cut the electric lines between Germany and, and Hamburg, I mean, uh, Berlin and Hamburg. So for 24 hours, there's no train traffic in northern Germany, which meant huge uh, uh, traffic jams on the highways. So we can't keep our infrastructure functioning. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. This is, this is a... Uh... The madness is, is truly remarkable witnessing all of this, Harley. It really is. And do you see any, uh, I mean, we have Maloney recently win the uh, Italian uh, uh, um, you know, prime ministership. 
is the fire starting to burn in Europe? Are the people starting to stand up? Do you see that out there, especially in Germany? Do you see the people saying this is madness? I mean, recently they just didn't they just cancel the AFD party in Germany? No, they they're not able to cancel it. The the what's interesting is there are now these uh, demonstrations in smaller towns in eastern Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the thing in in Paris in. Paris is not a small town. There are big demonstrations in Paris, in Prague. But in Germany now, we're seeing a pattern that's very much like what happened in 1989 in East Germany. Yeah. They brought down the communist dictatorship of Honecker in East Germany. And it started with small numbers, 100, then 1,000, then it grew to 10,000. And at that point, Honecker put out the order to crush it. Mm-hmm. And the police went out to crush it, and instead of 10,000, it was now 100,000. And the chant at, uh, in 1989 was, Wir sind das Volk, we are the people. Yeah. Now we're starting to see that happen again in Germany. It's still small, but it's growing. And the problem is that the media is saying it's just right-wing extremists. The, and then they're saying the IFD, the uh, alternative for Deutschland, They're saying that's a neo-Nazi organization, just like they attacked Maloney and the Brothers of Italy as neo-Nazis. Well, the neo-Nazis are the ones that we're arming in Ukraine that the media seems to like. So, you know, when the media warns about right-wing extremists, including in the United States, this means someone they don't like, someone whose policy is, is not part of the club, someone who doesn't want to bow down to Wall Street and the city of London. Right. That's what they mean when they say neo-Nazis. That's not neo-Nazis. That's national sovereignty. And this is the trick that the British tried to play after World War II. They said the Nazis were nationalists. No, the fascist movement was corporatist. It was private corporations and banks taking over government and using government to lower wages and smash unions and uh, impose austerity. That's what's being done by the Western governments today, supposedly to fight right-wing extremism. Yeah. So here's where you see the effect of, of a long-term dumbing down of the population so that if someone is in favor of national sovereignty, they're considered a neo-Nazi. And yeah. I think that's, that's, that's the brainwashing that's gone on. But I think it's, it's falling apart because more and more people are saying, what's wrong with having a strong national economy, but combining that with doing the right thing with other countries? That's what the founding fathers were all about. That When, when John Quincy Adams said, we don't go abroad to look for monsters to fight, that's what he meant. The whole point of the Monroe Doctrine, which was largely a, a product of, of Quincy Adams, was that we're going to keep empires out of our neighborhood. Correct. We're going to allow republics to function as sovereign nations that can coordinate their activities with us, which is technically called multilateralism as opposed Mm -hmm. to unilateralism or unipolar policy. Exactly. Harley, real quick, I know you need to go, but uh, what are your thoughts on uh, EU or I'm sorry, NATO member Turkey really making a hard pivot to, to Russia? Well, I, I would say it's, it's not such a hard pivot. Turkey's been in a situation for a while where they've been, you know, they've been denied EU membership. They're in NATO. They're the largest uh, European army in NATO. 
but they don't want to be used for the sake of the city of London and Brussels. So they're looking to Putin, who is saying, let's work together, including on oil deliveries, including working with the Saudis, because Turkey is trying to mend its fences with the Saudis. Now we hear Biden going crazy against Saudi Arabia when the Saudis didn't go along with him. And, and what's the latest? The U.S. is threatening Saudi Arabia if it lines up with Russia. And the Saudis are saying, we're, we're supporting our own best national interests. So I think we're seeing a confrontation all across the board between nations asserting their national sovereign rights against the demand that there's only one economic model that's acceptable, and that's the model which is crashing right now in the West. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when people say, well, that's they're just going with Putin, the fact is that Putin is the one who's talking about national sovereignty and Republican nation states, while the West is pushing a model of, of neo-feudal fascism. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or what Lavrov calls post-Christian policy. Yep. Exactly correct. And and the world's not buying it. The majority of the world, the rest of the planet outside of the, the few handful of Western countries, they're not they're not buying this, Harley. It really isn't. Thank God they're not. Well, think about this quote I read you from Frederick Kemp, which basically goes out to the establishment, to the uh, subscribers to the Atlantic Council newsletter. What happens when that gets out in the hands of, of people in El Salvador or Chile or uh, Niger or Thailand, where they're told that the, the, uh, he's advocating that the rules be changed so that the Western banks can seize the money of sovereign nations? Yeah. Well, it doesn't exactly bode well for the future of these unipolar unipolarists being able to say, we'll do whatever we want. And so I think we're, we're getting some motion now internationally. And that's why we had this conference over the weekend, the International Youth Conference, where some of the young people who took on AOC and, and others were able to speak. And if people haven't seen it yet, you can go to the schillerinstitute.com. And it's uh, an October the 15th conference, uh, two sessions, how to fight green fascism. And we that well, what you just put on the screen is another one. We're, we're having a conference which will include elected official, officials from Africa and Latin America who are lining up for this uh, new security and financial architecture, breaking with the IMF, breaking with the World Bank, breaking with London. So we're at the front of a movement. And for those people who thought, LaRoucheism died with LaRouche. Well, there's a new generation coming up. Absolutely. You know, here's a funny thing, man. Just uh, last night, uh, the night before, actually, on Saturday night, I, uh, I went to Amazon. I bought a bunch of Lyndon LaRouche books. Just a whole bunch of them. I think I, I bought at least seven or eight of them, Harley. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're putting together a digital LaRouche library because he was enormously prolific. He was writing books for regional development, for national development. Uh, that's why someone like Sergei Glazyev, probably the most prominent economist in Russia, said that LaRouche was the most successful economist of the last 25 years. Yep. And I, I think 
people are going to discover that if they take the time to read and understand physical economy from the standpoint of the American system, that this was not an America first ideology. This came from Leibniz, who worked uh, with Peter the Great. He worked with uh, Colbert in France. He worked with the Chinese. And Leibniz's conception was that of physical economy, how man uses his creative intervention to transform nature for the benefit of human society. Yeah. And that's what was extended by LaRouche through his knowledge of the American system. And that's the opportunity we have today to go back to what was best about the American system with the input from modern science and, and technology. Absolutely. Very well said. Harley, thank you so much for joining us again, folks. You can find him over at LaRoucheOrganization.com, LaRoucheOrganization.com, also at the Schiller Institute.com, Schiller Institute.com. And with that being said, CJ, take it away.